howling at a half moon Left me in the rain, only riding when the sun shines Fair weather, motherfucker, I don't need a sometime Disappear, crunch time, show up when it's lunch time Ain't no free lunch if we ain't see you on the front line Tangled in your lives, now it's time for me to unwind I ain't gotta say your name and hit you on the punchline Felt like it had knots tied, I cannot lie I wanted to try, but I knew right then it was not time So I sat back and played my position And I prayed that you made your decision And I know that I was an asshole But I felt all along that you ain't really with it Love the way that you talk to me When you talk to me like my best friend When you provide me with security And a future that we can invest in Hate the city, cost too much money Asking you to move out to the country White picket fence with a nice little crib Play this guitar, we can raise these kids Ain't no sunset on this boulevard So come and go as you please And forgive me Cause I know it seems That these roads here Will pay the broken dreams Ain't no Las Vegas light Ain't no California coast And I have seen a lot of both But this shit is in my soul And so are you Love I give you my girl I'm living like a dirty bomb Trapped to the sun This is DJ Blake And my next guest Is part of a very talented family And he is no exception but he also doesn't let his family define who he is as a person. This man has embraced his mistakes and learned from them as well. He wants to lead by example and inspire his fans and family. It was an honor to sit down with him. It's my pleasure to introduce Struggle Jennings. I ain't cut deep like Ginsu. See the tears that you grin through. Can't blame yourself for what I've been through. I was too wild for you to tend to. Four foot tall felt ten to. Look who the hell we can to. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. This is DJ Blake, keeping you up to date with all the hottest hip-hop news and sneaker talk. And today, I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Struggle Jennings. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. You're actually, it's really funny, because I've had a few, like, bigger artists on my podcast, but you're the first one who's actually been able to make it to the station. <laughs> yeah. I've had to go to the events, or there's been an event like I've had like an interview set up here and something happens. I still have to go to the concert venue and you almost didn't make it the 30 minutes late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Traffic in Seattle is crazy. Awful. It's beautiful though. It's yeah. one of my favorite cities in America, hands down. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to 
get out of here and go get some seafood. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's make it quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's Seattle's beautiful. Is this the it first is. time for you performing oh, no. here? No, I've been here uh, twice with Yellow Wolf. Okay. Opening for him. Yeah. And once me and Bubba Sparks. Okay. Did a, did a, or came through here on a tour right. two years ago. So, what do you think about the Yellow Wolf and Royster Five Nine beef? <laughs> Man, you know, I was in the gym and Wolf hit me up and was like, "Dude, listen to this," and he sent it to me. I was like, "Bro, what, what's up?" And he was like, "Man, I have no clue." Oh, he's like, "I absolutely have no idea what he's hitting me for." It's a good so, song, though. I think it it's is. a good. <laughs> yeah, it is a good song, but you know, I I can't wait to see what Wolf does in return. Yeah. You know, it makes hip hop fun sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. Yeah, it's stay tuned. Let's yeah, see. it's Royce's. You know, Wolf's my brother, man. I love Wolf to death. Mm-hmm. Royce is an incredible artist too. Yeah, so it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it's uh, that's hip hop's my favorite genre. You know, because it 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 fuses every type of different genre. Oh, it does. And then you're more, I guess, you're country rap, right? Man, you know, I got put in that box. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that it's not a great box to be in because I love country music. I didn't become a country fan until I was in my 30s, mm. even though my grandfather was a huge country singer. You know, uh, I grew up in the lower class areas of Nashville because right. my mom was just real firm, wanted to make it on her own, didn't want any handouts. So and she liked bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she, uh, she always dated some misfits. Uh-oh. But um so, you know, hip hop is what spoke to me as a child. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an 80s baby, grew up in the 90s. Tupac was probably my biggest influence. And this last year, you know, I, I got put in that box because I, I did an album that I attributed to my grandfather. Right. Where I had been sampling Sam Cooke and Al Green, you know, just doing mixtapes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I want to take some of his music and flip it. Right. Because uh, if you listen to what he was talking about, it's so hip hop. The painful stories, being busted by the police, you know, all the stuff that Waylon was talking about in that outlaw era really resonated with what I was going through at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, you know, let's let's try this. We tried it and it popped. Yeah. You know, so I come home and it's like this whole genre. Yeah. I come home from a five year prison bid and it's a whole genre. And they're looking at me like. Wow. This is this you you helped start this. Yeah, you know that's dope. So I, I'm not opposed to being called a country rapper. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: This last year, I dropped five albums in four different genres and charted in every one of them. I hit number one in hip hop with Waylon and Willie Three. Oh, that was dope. Number four in hip hop with The Widow's Son. Number one with blues with me and my daughter's EP Sunny Days. Yeah. Uh, number four at Christmas in Christian genre with me and my mom's project called Spiritual Warfare, and then we just charted number eight in Alternative with the Angels and Outlaws album. Oh, that was fire, dude. I listened to all of that shit. That was, yeah, that was good, dude. Yeah, it was a fun year. Yeah. You know, we don't, I don't really want to be put in a box, mm-hmm. and so it could hinder me in some areas, you yeah. know, because my fans are all over the place, but we just go in the studio, and whatever feels right, right. that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're in this to make music, enjoy ourselves, and feed the family. And yeah. so far, it's working. And what, I could be wrong with the statistic, but like, isn't it true that country is more vulgar than hip-hop in some extent? Isn't it? That That's probably very true. Yeah. But you kind of, I think you're, it's a mixture, though. When you're like making music, you don't really, it doesn't seem like you lean on like 
vulgarness in a way. No, you, you know, know? I, I actually, like if you're talking about profanity, mm-hmm. I maybe, I only say a cuss word when I'm really trying to emphasize something. Right. You know, I, I, my stuff is mostly clean. Um, but that's just because I'm, I, I believe in, I'm a lyricist. So I really believe in telling the story mm-hmm. and finding the most clever, the best way to describe it. Yeah. So I, it's not even like I'm trying to steer away from cussing. It's just I find better ways to describe situations and paint a picture than without having to use it. Yeah. And the stories that I'm telling, you know, are painful, uh, but they always have a light or a glimmer at the end. Right. So, you know, that's, it's just kind of happened that way. Mm-hmm. Makes not you seem smarter, though. Yeah, 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 I guess so. It's a facade. I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm playing. You nah. seem, you seem, you look scary as hell. But you seem like deep down, you're probably like a teddy bear a little bit. I am. I'm only a grizzly <laughs> if I have to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you mess with the babies, right? You know, and the family, then you know, right? You get the other side of me. But I, you know what? It's it's really I've been through so much, man. I'm just grateful to be here. Yeah. And I I live my life solely on enjoying the moment. Yeah loving everything that I can possible, loving everybody, um, and just being grateful to be here. I'm blessed. Yes. I made it out of so much, you know, and to be here and have this opportunity to be up at a radio station with you, hanging out, talking, you know, sold out show last night in Portland, hopefully have a good turnout tonight in Seattle. Like, I'm I'm 2,600 miles away from home paying the bills back there. So. Yeah, that's the life. Yeah, we've been on a tour bus and we we broke down six cities in a row. Oh man! And the bus company just kept putting band aids on the bus, and everybody's like flipping out, like, "How are you dealing with this?" I'm like, "Dude, we're on a tour bus." (laughs) Like, yeah, it's broke down, but like, we're gonna get there. And it's alright. Like, yeah, I kind of just move that way. Mm -hmm. Dude, vehicles are expensive. Literally on (laughs) Thursday. My car died on the freeway. Oh, my God. So now it's in the shop and I have to buy or borrow another car. You know, like, yeah. first you think, okay, I just bought this expensive car. And now you're done? No. You got insurance, <laughs> maintenance. Yeah. It's insane. Well, like I, like I told you before, I got nine kids in the house. Oh, no. Right? So I've got five. My wife's got two, and we adopted two more this year. Well, we got custody of two that were kind of in a situation. Yeah. So uh, we have we got Suburbans. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, we had two Suburbans <laughs> and a couple other cars that we had before the Suburbans, but it's constantly something. Mm-hmm. Constantly. It's constantly a transmission or, yes. or you know, a tire or <laughs> anything. Like, it's right. just always something with vehicles. Mm-hmm. You have a really, like, musical family, you know? Yeah. Is there pressure in that, in a sense? Like, having your, gr- your grandfather be a musician, you being a musician? Yeah, it's not to me. Yeah, like, they never... My grandfather did what he did, mm-hmm. and he set a path and set a way and, and really set a stage that if we wanted to, we could climb up on and use, right. you know. And I didn't tell people he was my grandfather for a long time because right. I didn't want that to define me. I didn't want people to be like, oh, that's just Waylon Jennings' grandson, you know. Uh, and then my Uncle Shooter, who were like brothers, we're a year apart, mm-hmm. he's probably one of the most musical genius I've ever met in my life. Yeah. You know, he's had a bunch of country albums and he did a rock album and now he's just got Grammys producing Brandy Carlisle. He just produced Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses album. He's nominated for Grammys for uh, Tanya Tucker's new album. He's just produced Marilyn Manson's new album that's about to drop. Yeah, that's exciting, dude. Like, he's just (laughs) 
crushing it, you know, yeah. like slaying it. I got to see him when I was in LA the other day. He's just one of the purest souls. But yeah. like when we get together, we just make magic. It's, mm -hmm. it's never no pressure. My grandmother, Jessie, she's had some incredible hits, you know, and she's she's still 75 whipping around Scottsdale. And, wow. You That's know, the place to be, though. <laughs> yeah. Living her life. Looks like she's 45. Like, it's insane. And then my mother's got an incredible voice. You know, she put her career on the back burner to raise me because I was mm -hmm. bad. Mm. You know, I was running the streets and she was chasing me, trying to do everything she could. So uh, that's why this last year I was able to give her, give that album back to her and yes. say, let's go in and cut an album. And uh, as soon as I come off this tour, I want to work on her solo album too. Just mm -hmm. get her stuff out there because she's probably one of the best songwriters that I've ever heard in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, she leans more towards gospel, but she's just got such a, a great story. And then my daughter. Yes, Bri uh, is Brianna right? Bri Brianna, yeah. Brianna. Dude, she's she's special, man. Yeah, the album you have with her, what is yeah. that called? That's Sunny the, Days. That was good. Yeah, she's on the road with me. Oh, wow. So, like, being able to give her that platform and give her that spotlight yeah. and help her skip some of the, you know, BS that we go through as artists. Mm -hmm. You know, she's her first show she ever walked out on a stage was a sold out show at St. Andrews Hall in Detroit. You know, wow. first song she ever recorded's got 10 million views on YouTube. Dude. So it's like, you know, being able to give her that mm -hmm. and she earns it. Like she, she, mm -hmm. she puts the work in and she's amazing. Right. And then it even trickles down. I've got, you know, a 14 year old daughter that's going to be something incredible. Her, She's got the characteristics of just a superstar. Yeah. I got an 11-year-old daughter that writes songs deeper than me. Wow. You would think she was 50 and been through 10 divorces. <laughs> <laughs> she writes these heartbreak songs. I'm oh, like, girl, no. <laughs> you're nine at the time. Like, where did that come from? It's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. no, I've just been blessed, man. Just, they all got way more musical talent than me. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm just... uh putting the work in so when they yeah. all blow up i can kick my feet up <laughs> just write songs right but that's beautiful though you know i feel like sometimes you get if i feel like it's harder if you're like a sports family because yeah you can have when it comes to like music you're able to really support and like give those connections yeah but when you're like if lebron is not his his kid, oh. his kid is good but yeah you but can't like LeBron. Well, it's it, I. You know what? And there's a lot of pressure still that comes from Waylon being your grandfather. Yeah, for sure. You know, you've got old school country fans that are like, "You rap, mm. what?" You know, or you know, they expect you to fit this certain bill or you know, fill his shoes. And nobody can fill Waylon Jennings' shoes, just mm -hmm. like nobody's gonna fill my shoes. Nobody's right. gonna fill Shooter shoes. We all do our own thing in our own right. So. I guess there really is a lot of pressure, and mm -hmm. Shooter had Shooter probably had it the worst because he was Waylon's son. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, uh, he Waylon also set such a good example for his family about hard work and about not standing in his shadow. Mm -hmm. Step out and get your own light. That I, you know, I guess we kind of had an upper hand because he was such a good leader and and had such a. Um, you know, a good philosophy about that. Mm -hmm. How do you explain rap to like the older generation or do you even just, do you not even try? To I don't like, even try. Yeah. Dude, I had lunch with Gary Busey the other day. Oh. You know, Gary Busey I don't is, know if I do. you don't know who Gary Busey is. <sighs> do I, oh yeah. He's, uh, he's younger. <laughs> Get, uh, let me show you a picture. Okay. He's one of the, the biggest actors ever. And you're going to know his face as soon as you see him. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty good with faces. So. Oh Yeah. You can't forget this guy's face. 
Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. okay. <laughs> He's been in a bunch of movies, The Apprentice. Yeah. Like, wild as hell. Mm-hmm. Right? So his daughter is my photographer, oh, and wow. she's like, does a lot of my content. And uh, so I got the chance to sit down and have lunch with him. Dude, so I'm dope. like a fan of like Point Break and, yeah. you know, Under Siege and all these movies he was in back in the day. And the first thing he said is, yeah, yeah, what do you do? What kind of music do you do? I was like, well, I rap. He said, that's not music. Ah. I was like, yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. But throughout it, you know, after we had a, you know, an hour long lunch and conversation, mm-hmm. he was just amazing and awesome and accepted me for who I am, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. And the crazy part is though, man, because of what I'm talking about, right. the fan base that I have, it goes up into 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, we have 70-year-old fans come in every night standing front row crying wow. at certain songs, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I feel like I've kind of bridged that gap mm-hmm. because it's not the norm, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, it's so left field that, you know, people that have went through what I'm talking about or that are that were Wayland fans and such Wayland fans that they just give me a chance. Or a lot of times it'll be a son that listens to my music, plays my records for his dad, who yeah. is a huge Wayland fan and doesn't like rap. Right. And it bridges that gap. Yeah. And they find a common denominator. Wow. And that's always cool. That know? is. Yeah, so. That's exciting. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. How do you make a long-lasting support system? You know, like working with like Yellow Wolf and Jelly Roll, how did that even come to be? Well, me and Jelly Roll have been friends for going on 18 years, I think. Oh, wow. Bef- like we were both doing music, mm-hmm. like mixtapes, you know, and stuff like that and selling them in the street. And But our relationship goes so much farther than that because we both put music aside, got in the streets, got in a bunch of trouble, mm-hmm. both did time here and there, back and forth, you know. And so we've just been through so much. Like, you know, we've buried a hundred friends and, you know, uh, went through cases together. And so me and his bond is so beyond the music. And then when I went to prison, he just really took that as a sign that it was time for him to push. Right. So the whole time I was gone, he was out touring, busting his ass, recording, 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 recording. So he set a platform for me to come home to that really, you know, helped me not just walk out to, oh yeah, I want to be a rapper. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, you're a rapper. Wow. You know, it's like, you're a professional musician. That's a true friend. Yeah. And Yellow Wolf did the same thing. Um, Yellow Wolf was, you know, when me and Yellow Wolf met, he had just got out of one deal and then he was signing with the Shady, the Shady deal. So he was, you know, yelling free struggling stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when I came home, he gave me an opportunity to get in the studio and put me on payroll. So the yeah. halfway house, you know, I had a legit job. Mm-hmm. Was that pressure though? To yeah. come out and what? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm coming out and, <clears throat> you know, I got a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> it's, it's so much pressure when you come home because not only did I have all these fans waiting on me, and I had all these people expecting me to come out and just record some incredible music. Yeah. And, you know, then I had the pressure of my kids were in foster care. Mm. You know, my ex-wife was out in the streets and rest, her, rest, rest in peace. She passed away this past year from an overdose. But so 
I had so much pressure of like, you know, people that I was taking care of when I was in the streets, like, oh, he's back. Yeah. I, I don't got a dollar to my name, <laughs> man. Like I say it every night. I said, you know, I, I tell them, I say, I came home with my kids in foster care and not a pair of blue jeans. Mm. Now I've got nine kids living in my house and a whole lot of blue jeans. <laughs> you know, whatever you want to do is possible. Like I try to beat that into people, you know, because so mm -hmm. many people get discouraged at life and obstacles and, you know, they veer and get frustrated and give up way too soon. Right. But yeah, so with, with those relationships, Jelly and uh, Yellow Wolf, you know, they're just, they're the homies, man. Like yeah. we don't get together on music as much as we do friendship. Yeah. You know, we're around each other a lot more on just on some friend shit than, you know, than we are doing music. But me and Jelly started doing these Waylon and Willies, and they popped. Yes. Like, they changed our <laughs> life. Like, for real. Right. Uh, it's been magical. So we'll be back here in the fall, oh, yeah. us together. Yeah. On a fall tour. He's made some amazing connections, too. He's about to go on tour with Tech 9 Yeah, right? man. Dude. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, and you know they've always been Travis uh, O'Gwen that owns Strange mm -hmm. um, with Tech, and uh, they've been the homies, and they've been so supportive. Mm -hmm. So to see him now actually going out and being direct support for Tech is just yeah, it's amazing. And I know for him, it's a dream come true, you know. Um, and yeah, no, it's gonna be awesome. Yes, I'm hoping I can catch some of them. Yeah, you know? hopefully I'm not too far away. Mm -hmm. How does it feel? <laughs> To kind of be like a minority in a genre, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally get it. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I grew up in such a diverse neighborhood, mm -hmm. you know, where everybody was just meshed together. So I never really saw, I always saw minority and majority as, you know, um, a tax bracket, wow. you know, like more of a class. Mm -hmm. I never saw, um, and it sounds crazy because I'm from the South, but I never saw racism until I was almost out of high school. Right. Like, I lived in the hood. We Everybody was everybody, you know. Um, in high school, they started having the white boys call me Wigger, mm. you know, and that, that became the first time I started really f seeing racial tension and seeing hate. Because before that, it was just like, you know, I grew up in a gang culture too, so it was like it was all about, you know, yeah. black red or blue you know like colors and stuff so uh you know i feel like i don't know man i think it's the beauty about hip-hop and i know some people get real frustrated with it you know mm -hmm. they get frustrated with feeling like a minority or feeling like you know somebody's still in a culture but i grew up in this culture you know i'm an 80s baby you know i grew up to old r&b and you know first CD I ever had was, or first tape I ever had was NWA. First CD I ever had was Dr. Dre to Chronic. Yes. You know, I lived in the hood. I, you know, I've done just about everything that any human being can do of any race. Mm -hmm. And, and I just, you know, I, I love everybody. Right. And I know that people get frustrated with it, but, you know, I don't, I'm just making music. Right. So. If you had the chance, would you change your past at all, though? Or do you think it's part of your journey? Yeah, I wouldn't change anything. You know, it sucks to say that because, you know, there's some things that I could have did that may have, you know, kept somebody here that's no longer here. Or, you know, there's a lot of things that you throw around when you think about that. But then if you ever watch the butterfly effect. Yes, dude. Yeah, I don't uh, change nothing, man. Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, everything led me here. And I went through a lot of stuff that I wish that 
my kids didn't have to go through or I didn't put my mama through or Mm -hmm. whatever it may be. But everything led me to where I'm at right now. And right now in my life, I'm living my best life. I'm taking care of my kids, giving them their best life. I'm married to an incredible woman. You know, I'm uh, my mama's doing good. My grandma's doing good. My family's good. And I'm out here shedding light, you know, to people that are still trapped in that darkness and giving a, a little bit of hope. So, you know, I, I get it every night. Like every night, it's my fans don't come and say, "Oh man, I like your music." They're like, "Dude, your music changed my life." Right. You know, they're tears and hugs, and you know, at Walmart. Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah, I wouldn't change anything because right. whatever has happened was just the right formula to get me where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know. How do you do you How do you teach your kids like lessons and morals? and not spoil them at the same time. That is so hard. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the only thing that my wife snaps on me about is is like sometimes being too easy. Right. But I feel like as a father, really as a parent, the key that I've learned or that I kind of live by is you got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Tell them what you've been through. Give them the best advice you can and then sit back and be there to catch them when they fall because yeah. everybody's going to fall. You know, you can do whatever you can to try to, you know, stop them from doing stuff. The more you push, the more they're going to pull. That's true. You know, it's just human nature. It's the coming up. It's the, you know, the rite of passage. They're they're all going to make mistakes. So you just got to try to, I think a lot of parents mess up because they're not honest. And so they shelter and they hide stuff from their kids. Mm -hmm. And then like, I'm very vocal. Like, yes, I went to prison. I did this. I did that. I made a lot of bad mistakes. This is what it got me, you know, even down to small. My kids, they try so hard to get over on me sometimes. Yeah. It's like, bro, I use that excuse 500,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> and now now kids are screwed because we got GPS on their phones oh, and no. stuff. Like, <laughs> yes. you, can't, you can't pull the okie doke we pulled on our parents. You know, now I'm just like, oh, really? Where'd you say you were at? Yeah, no, nah, you've been in the parking lot of... Uh, Kroger for two hours. I thought you were going over here, you know. Yeah. So it's awesome though, man. Being a parent is so fun to me. It's mm-hmm. it's so fulfilling. It's my biggest success in life, really. You know. Right. Is being able to watch these fucking beautiful humans grow and blossom into amazing people. Mm-hmm. What is some advice that you wish someone had given you when you were younger that you try to give your kids now? Follow your dreams. Dude, I, I wanted to do music since I was f- as long as I can remember. Yeah. I used to run in and rap to my grandpa, you know, when I was like eight. Wow. So, but I had so many people telling me, ah, oh, you're a white boy, you can't be a rapper. Or, mm. You're from Nashville, you'll never be a rapper. Or, f- funny story, uh, Outlaw Shit, one of my biggest record, 35 million views on YouTube. I recorded that in 2007. I didn't release it until 2011 because so many people were like, dude, you can't mix country and rap. That's a career suicide. Mm. You know, so I went off and did a mixtape with Drummer Boy in Atlanta, you know, trying to be the white Rick Ross. That was the life I was living, you know, (laughs) and that's how they're trying to market me. And meanwhile, I've got this record that I end up saying, you know what? Screw it. I don't care what nobody says. And I drop it Mm. and it ends up being my biggest record to date. Still, almost falling the falls on its heels, if not already past it. I think it's good that, like, you're there's not really a song on your album where, like, okay, time to skip it. Like, for yeah. most of your albums, like, 
it seems like you put like a lot of heart into every I single do. song. And that's that's been my key is like in, in building my fan base and and building you know my supporters is just being honest and taking them on that journey, man. Paint mm-hmm. that picture. You never know what you're gonna say that might really strike a nerve with somebody because so many people are going through the same thing. Right. You know, so many of us. You know, regardless race, religion, you know, demographic, we're going through the same thing, man. Mm-hmm. Um, at some magnitude, you yes. know. Uh, a lot of people's struggles, you know, may seem a lot worse than other people's, but to those people, their struggles may seem just as bad as this person, you know. Right. So just, you know, telling the stories and, and showing that there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel and just being honest, you yes. know. I, I put it all out there. I don't hide anything online, uh, which sucks sometimes, you know. <laughs> I got to... Uh, you know, it's something that I've I've had to deal with is just you know what, if I'm gonna be that guy, I'm just gonna be that guy. Right. What do you think about social media? Like, what are your opinions on that? Well, it just depends on what. Like for music and for business, it's incredible. Like mm-hmm. it's taken uh, free promotion. Yeah, free promotion all over. You know, you can upload something. And, you know, I got somebody in the Philippines listening to it. Yeah. That I could have never physically took that and put it in front of them. So. In a lot of aspects, it's incredible. I think it has caused a little bit of a disconnect in um, social, you know, one-on-one activity. Right. You know, uh, I I use the example all the time. When I was a kid, if you want to go talk to a girl, you had to fight those butterflies, walk up and be like, hey, I like you or whatever. Or she was gone forever. Like, you wouldn't see that person. Yeah. Yeah. And nowadays, they can just... Hey, hey, shout it, let me, you know, it's like, because yes. they're hiding behind that. They don't have to say it face to face. So it kind of, you know, it's kind of caused a little bit of a, people can have more of an opinion right. or a voice their opinion more, which sometimes gets ugly, man. There's a lot of people on social media that are just trolls. They just straight up get on there just to spread hate. Yeah. I call them on it. Like if so, I don't get much of it because of my brand and, and my fan base it's clean and it's yes. you know it's healthy, but I get some of it every once in a while, and I'll hit them up. I'll be like, dude, I just looked at your page, man. You're like a cool guy, man. You got cool <laughs> shit going on. Why are you hating on another man that's out here grinding? Like, how do you have time to hate on to get on here and type something that's just completely? And a lot, <laughs> right. about nine out of ten times, are like, you're right, man. I apologize. <laughs> you know, call them so, out. Yeah. When did you decide that it was okay to be unique and be yourself? You know what? Probably really not till prison, man. Wow. You know, I, as you see all this turquoise I wear? It's yeah. A, the story I tell about turquoise is it was always my favorite stone yeah. as a kid. I love turquoise. I love the color of it. My granddaddy wore it. My grandma wore it. You know, my dad had a big turquoise ring. So it was always my favorite stone, but I was so caught up in trying to be something else. I spent all that money on all that dime, all them diamonds and all that gold. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had braids to my ass and gold teeth and, you know, I just, when I went to prison and I was stripped completely down to just prison clothes and you lose all control of everything on the outside. So you, you're in there and the only thing you have control of is yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, okay, who do I want to be? Who am I? First, you got to strip down and find out who am I? Why do I keep ending up in here? Right. What is my, what, what is wrong? What is, what is this? I don't want to do this no more. Mm. And so just I stripped myself all the way down and just was like, you know what? I'm just going to be me. And 
I love it like this, you know, like with my girl, like there was so much stuff I wouldn't have done with my exes, mm -hmm. like just cute shit or like, you know, getting out in the middle of traffic, pulling them out the car and slow dancing or something. In the middle of traffic. <laughs> wow. Like I do stuff like that now because oh, I'm just, I'm just being me. Like I don't, I don't miss an opportunity to try something or to have, to, to uh, enjoy a moment. Yeah. So, and now, you know, I just put on what I want to wear. Yeah. You know, I'm rocking the shit out of all this beautiful yeah, turquoise. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> what are your opinions on tattoos? Like, do you ever think about, because I only have this guy. I have like one on my shoulder, but this is like my main tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a brand, you know, like it's unique. It makes me stand out with like with my poofy hair too. But like, yeah. do you think like once you get older, you might like, regret getting so many tattoos or? I don't, you know what? I don't know. I've seen some pretty old dudes that had a whole lot of tattoos that looked pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've I, I kind of slowed down. Like I'm definitely not gonna. Slow, I'm gonna finish up right. my torso and stuff, but I'm not getting any on my face. Mm. Um, I've got some some goals and dreams and acting and some other things that I want to do and some Ooh, roles. Yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna leave my face alone right now. But I th I think tattoos are incredible if you're getting them. Because it's something you love. I'm not mm -hmm. going to regret any of mine. Every one of my tattoos tell a story. They're from an era or a moment or a memory, you know. And so I'm never going to regret them. Right. And I think if you get them like that, these dudes that just get a bunch of stuff because they're trying to be cool or they're trying to fit an image, mm -hmm. you know, I don't really, uh, I don't know how they're going to feel at 80. Right. But I'm gonna be cool with mine. You're gonna yeah. be cool with that. Yes. Like that's yes. that's you. Yes. you know? So you're gonna love that. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like mm -hmm. it's part of you. Yeah. So I think if you, I think if you're really getting tattoos, because it's something you love and it's artwork and it's something you want to express, mm -hmm. then yeah, you you always love them. Right. Do you think they all have to have meanings? Because like people who don't have tattoos are like, oh, what's the meaning behind that? Yeah, I don't think they all have to have meanings. Yeah. Most of mine do. Mm -hmm. Um. But I don't think they have it. If it's something that you like, you know, like my son was like, I got him his first tattoo. Yeah. And Breakneck Brad, this guy from Australia, did my whole back piece. Ooh. He was, uh, he, he, you know, comes over here and does tattoo conventions. So my son was getting his first tattoo and he wanted a big old grizzly bear with a claw, you know, like swiping. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets it like whole quarter sleeve and huge piece. And then afterwards he's like, what am I supposed to tell people it means? <laughs> I'm like, right. Tell them you just, you wanted a bear. Like, it don't matter what it means, man. Right. Like, you like that. Like, you wanted that big bear on you, you mm -hmm. know? Find a meaning for it later. <laughs> Make up a cool story. Yeah. You wrestled a bear in Seattle or something. The Revenant's your favorite yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. What do you think was the biggest surprise to you, like, socially, once you got out of prison, besides, like, music and having that platform well there's so much anxiety when people get out mm. you've got all these goals set you've got all these timelines i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do that and it never happens like that you right. come out you meet a lot of obstacles you know they're not just easy on you they're not you just can't get out and think you're just gonna start a business and become this next you know, you, it takes time and you, you're going to meet a lot of obstacles and a lot of people get frustrated and they, they give up too fast and turn away from it. And that's why they go back. Mm. That's why the recidivism rate is so high. For me, I had everything against me. You know, I had to get out and fight for my kids. I had to go through a divorce. Uh, you know, I had to get a place. I had to get a car. I had to figure out how to start turning a good income off of the music. 
And then I come home to my city that was completely different. Right. My, they had ripped down my neighborhood and built high-rise condos. Oh, uh, damn. Like, so um, it was like I came home to, like, a whole new everything. And I was a new me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people didn't know how to take that. A lot of people thought, uh, he's going to be right back out. Yeah. yeah, the plug's back, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, nah, man, like, I'm really, I'm really going for it this time. I'm really going to do this. So um, I think that was a lot of it. A lot of the pressure came from not buckling or feeling like I had to be what they wanted me to be or have to, you know, go back and fool with everybody that I fooled with when I left. Because, you know, and I, I catch slack for that sometimes. Like, oh, you forgot where you came from. No, homie, I did not forget where I came from. I mm-hmm. remember it, and I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. You know, I I tell friends all the time, like, oh, why don't you stop through the hood and see us? I'm like, why don't you stop by the gym or the studio and see me? <laughs> right. This is where I'm at, man. Right. You know, especially after you see guys like Nipsey, man, you know, that were incredible human beings and bringing back to their community. And that's a goal of mine. I want to give back to my, my old neighborhood and stuff. But it's like... You know, there he is, losing his life way too young, man. How do you prove to people that you've changed? You know, I don't. I think you just got to keep just being you. You got to keep your integrity intact because mm. everybody's looking for a reason to prove you wrong. Just don't give it to them. Right. You know, and I read a book that really changed my life called The Four Agreements. And one of the four agreements is um, don't take things personally. And what it's saying is, what somebody else thinks about you or says about you isn't a reflection of you unless you believe it. Right. It's a reflection of them and how they feel. So letting go of that and not just, you know, just, okay, you think I'm not going to change? Cool. I'm not going to argue with you. You know, you think I'm still doing this or I'm doing that or you think I'm going to fail. You think, cool, whatever. That's your own opinion. Mm. I'm going to prove you wrong. You know, just sit back and wait. Right. And I have. I beat every year. You know, every statistic from recidivism to, you know, um, Dude, there was a there was a moment where my kids had been in foster care so long because their mom had broke bad that I was like days from losing rights to them, even though I was fighting because they had been in foster care so long. So like every everything that that seemed like just a horrible thing, there was always a silver lining in it, man. And if you go into situations knowing that, like okay, there's something good in this. Gotta look for it. Where's it at? You just gotta look for it. Right. Have you ever thought about being a motivational speaker or going back to prison to talk to yeah, people? Yeah, man, I, I want to go back to the prison so bad. Uh, yeah. I'm still on state parole. I came off federal probation this year. I'm still on state parole till 2025. Mm. So it's I got to go in front of a judge and the parole board and just get that clearance to go back in the prison. And I got to do it anyway to go try to travel out of the country. Mm. So that's a goal for 2020 right. is to get cleared to go into prisons, get cleared to travel outside the country. Right. And, uh, yeah, try to change some lives. That's a crazy journey, though, to get out and have that type of support, though. Yeah. Some people have, like, nothing, and that's why they go uh, back in, you know? For sure. No, and I just actually did an interview with a guy that's doing life oh. here, either here in Oregon. Uh, and he's got a magazine that hits, like, almost every prison. Uh, he's got He's got a podcast and stuff. And so I just did an interview with him from prison. He's doing life talking about that, Mm -hmm. you know, like what about these guys that don't have, there are a lot of programs and people don't want to hear it. People want to, you know, buck the system. The system does have some stuff in place. The system is jacked up. We all know that. 
but there are some things in place and there's a lot of organizations out there that really do want to see you succeed. There's a lot of, you know, family programs, a lot of coming out out of prison programs. And, you know, if you really, really, regardless how low you are, you know, I, I say it in, in one of my songs, I say my rock bottom was my stepping stone, you know, like you, you got to, you just got to step, man. You just mm-hmm. got to keep moving. If you keep moving forward and you, you keep, uh, you keep faith and a belief that you can, you will. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. You might not reach the magnitude that you thought you would, but you're going to get to a good place right. or you might surpass it. You know, a lot of that just comes with what you're willing to sacrifice, how much you're willing to work. Mm-hmm. I know so many friends that come out to nothing, man. And, you know, some of them go back really quick because they try to go get it the wrong way. And some don't, you know, some go get a job. Right. You know, next thing you know, they're the, the assistant manager. Yes. You know, next thing you know, they're the manager. Next thing you know, they own one. Yes. You know, they're getting their own franchise or something. So, like, it's out there. Opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. You just got to you gotta believe it, man. You got to believe in yourself. Yes. How did your perspective change on the everyday person once you got out? I think being in prison, you're around so many people, uh, all kinds of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and you also miss all the people that are out. You, you really do get a sense if you're open to it and if you're in that journey of changing, of finding something amazing or special or beautiful in every person. Like, I don't believe there's an ugly person. Right. I don't believe there's, you know, there's some people that have a bad spirit, but there's something good in them, you know. And so I just, I try to treat everybody with, you know, a hello and a smile and, you know, uh, try to make them smile. We were just talking about when we were going through this crazy ass traffic in Seattle. When I was uh, in prison, one thing that I missed was traffic. Wow. <laughs> you hear people complaining when I'm on the phone. They're like, oh man, I was stuck in traffic for an hour. I was like, dude, I would have loved to be in a car right now with the windows down, seeing the city. You yes. Know? So, you know, you get an appreciation for that and for people. You know, when you first get out, you're a little paranoid, a little nervous, and. You know, you don't like being in, around a whole lot of crowds. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still kind of getting, you know, um, in tune again. But I think it's all about your heart, man. And if you're open and you, you move with an open heart mm-hmm. and a clear mind, you're going to have a lot better relationships. Yes. A lot better. And and if people show themselves to be toxic, you know, I, one of my favorite things is, don't accept. Don't expect people to be who they're not. Accept them to be who they are. Right. Accept, accept them to be who they are. Don't expect them to be who they're not. And then you'll never be disappointed. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, I see that quality in you. Then cool, I know where to keep you. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I don't. We don't got to hate each other. I don't got to beef. None of that. It's just cool. You know. Yes. And uh, I block. I. <laughs> I've got a poor friend of mine, man. I've blocked probably 15 of his numbers, and I love him to oh. death. But when he calls and starts telling me, oh, man, I guess what so-and-so did and, and such-and-such and screwing such, and I'm just like, Shh. <laughs> block. I don't want to hear none of that gossip, man. <laughs> if it don't uh, pertain to what I'm doing right now, like, now if it's something serious, I'm here for you to lean on me. Right. You know, I don't want to hear no gossip. Right. I don't want no toxic shit. Drama. Turn Jerry Springer off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
what do you want to use and continue to use your platform for as you continue to grow even? I really just want to continue to do exactly what I'm doing. Like I, I, I would like to reach a higher scale, but if I don't, I'm completely happy. I'm going to keep working. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to put out six albums this year. Yeah. You know, we put out 15 videos last year. I'm probably going to put out 20 this year. Like we working, but I just want to keep shedding light, man. And just bringing those crowds, the happiness, the emotions that they have. Yeah. Do my, my shows when, you know, it's just such an emotion. You got some people up there crying, you know, um, screaming and singing every word. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I want to continue to do that. And I want to continue to show people that it's possible, you know, especially my kids. Yes. Like, look, y'all, daddy, y'all know what daddy's been through, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm here. We're here. Look, look how we're like, we're doing okay right now. Yeah. And. You know, my very first interview <laughs> Was with Bez Believe. Oh wow! My first interview, and he like he talked so highly of you, and now it's like it's come like a whole circle now. I was like, "Struggle Jennings, who's that guy?" And the thing that I actually respect about him a lot, every single person he works with, he makes sure he like makes a music video with them. Also, it's not like he yeah. just sends in like his audio and then they mix it or master it. Yeah, he actually makes it like the country girl song, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> That's one of my favorite verses yes. that I've, I've, I've ever gave anybody, man. Bez is a great spirit. He's his energy is through the roof. Yes, like he's he is a hard worker. He's wired up and he's ready to go. Yes, I love that about him. Great spirit, great artist. Uh, I, I see. I hope I'm I'm really banking on him having a great year this year. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, that that song was so much fun. Man. <laughs> yes, so much fun. Uh, and you know, we actually shot the video. I was like, bro, how are we gonna shoot the video? I'm like on tour. He was like, well. Where you, where you at next weekend? I'm like, uh, Columbus, Georgia. We shot that video in the back of the venue oh, wow. that I was performing at. Dude. He just pulled up with a camera crew like, <laughs> let's do it, bro. <laughs> That's exciting, man. Yeah, man. So <laughs> hard worker, super yeah. hard worker. It's funny. So I met him at um, Hempfest in Seattle. That's crazy. So what, last year? Yeah. Yeah, so I was here. Me and Yellow Wolf did... Um, Theater downtown. Paramount? No, I don't know what it's called. Oh, there's a few. I'm... Showbox. Okay. There you go. Me and Yellow Wolf and Jelly Roll did the Showbox. Ah, oh, that must have been fun. Yeah, uh, and I was in a RV from my booking agent, mm -hmm. right, that had my picture real big on one side and Best Believe oh, wow. on the other, right? <laughs> so I'm driving through Seattle and all of a sudden I see Best Believe like, <laughs> yo, What's up, man? Dude. And he like runs up to the RV. He's like, dude, I ain't even seen this RV. And I was like, what are you here for? He was like, I'm here for Hemp Fest. Oh. So that was, I guess that was around the same time last year. Wow, that's dope. Or not, I don't know if it was around this time, but it was last year. That's dope. It's crazy because my first ever interview, like I met him, but then he went back to Oregon or something like that. Yeah. And basically... I had to do the like an interview over the phone calls. It was terrible audio, and now I'm here with you at the station with like crisp audio. It's just so funny how much it has changed. Yeah, you know that's it, man. You keep working, bro. It, yes, it's gonna fall into place. Mm -hmm. How do you decide who you want to work with and support? I want to be authentic. You know, like I did the paid feature thing for a while. Mm -hmm. You know where I. 
take anybody's money to get on a song, you know, and at the time I needed it. You know, I didn't have income. It was part of the grind, you know, and get on songs. And sometimes it was a great song. Sometimes it was terrible, you know. But every time, though, I'm going to put a smoker on it. Like, I'm going to still give it my best regardless. But now I'm in a point in my life where I can just work with dope artists that I that I believe in, too, or collab with dope companies or, you know, um, promote stuff that I like. You know, if it's somebody like, you know, there's a bunch of uh, – different clothing companies uh, that I'll rock all the time just because I know they're hardworking grinders that are, that have a vision, you know, and a passion and are pushing, you know, mm-hmm. same way with artists, all the features I did last year, I, I didn't take a single paid feature. It was like, well, I'm, I might've, you know, they covered some studio costs or something, but right. like, I didn't, I didn't go out and sell features this last year. It was all people that was like, Okay, he's dope. He's got a dope story. Right. Send me a song. Eh, not that song. Or, <laughs> yeah, that song's great. Right. You know, and then we uh we work. So mm-hmm. now I'm at a point where I can, <clears throat> I, I really care about my brand. I care about the integrity of it and what I've built it on, the authenticity of it. So I'm not, you know, no offense, but I'm not going to go do a song with somebody that's going to tarnish my brand at all. That's important though. Like even with me, like I want to work. I want to help everyone in Seattle. But yeah. there's some people I just you don't really want to have on your show. Even yeah, no, that's hundred percent. And you got to keep it that way, right? Because this is your brand. This is you know, which where because they can happen so fast. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I could do a song with. I'm not gonna mention their name, but I could do a song with a group, and then next thing you know, they're getting boycotted or they're you know, do some crazy racist shit or you know especially in the country rap genre you know and then i'm tagged to that right you know Mm. so you just gotta be careful with it you know you really do you gotta you gotta be firm with your brand and if you gotta hurt somebody's feelings you know they gotta respect it right you know like i'm sorry bro like you just got too much going on right you know that's fair though you know give them some motivation you know that's what i've done to a couple people like bro Listen, I'd love to do a song with you. Pick it up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. Find you some better production. Holler, my my producer, Scatterbrains, or, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, start investing more in yourself and bring it up to somewhere where I can yes. do that. You know, it's a good way to motivate people, too, to work harder. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, they may take it as a diss in the beginning, but in the long run, they're going to thank you because if they take it to heart, they're going to grind their ass off to be on this show. Yes, exactly. That's fair. Yeah. That's some good advice. So, you are here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. What do you love about Seattle? Because you said you've been here a few times. Seafood. The seafood. I love this whole coast, man. From here all the way down. You know, I was a big Goonies fan. Yes. So, I always <laughs> stop in Astoria. Hey, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Goonies never say die. So, I got that shit tatted on my back. Oh, wow. Never say cool. die. Um, but, yeah. So, I, lo- I just love this coast, man. Everything about it. Seattle's so pretty. I love going down there to like where all the seafood is. Pike like, Place. Yeah. Huh? Do you like Pike Place Market at all? Yeah, that's what it, I think. Yeah. That's what it's called. Uh, where you go, like if you're at Showbox and you go down. Yeah, yeah, like the Cobblestone yeah. Road. Yeah. And they got like that wall with all the bubble gum on yes, it. Yes, the gum wall. It's yeah. so gross. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. so gross, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and my wife flies in. Like that's why I keep looking at my phone because mm-hmm. she uh, she's flying in right now. She's never okay. been to Seattle. 
Ooh. So I'm gonna get, and I got two days off here. Hey. So um, doing a show tomorrow, or doing a show tonight at the Tractor Tavern, and then tomorrow night, Ron Pope is in town, who's one of my favorite artists and a friend. Yeah. He, uh, my my wife, when me and me and my wife have been best friends for 15 years. Wow. So uh, we've been through separate relationships and stuff, you know, and just just finally got romantic about going on four years now, and. She had sent me some songs, you know, that she, that she liked, and his song was one of them. Became one of our favorite songs. Then another one of his songs ended up becoming uh, our wedding that we danced to, you know. So, and then all of a sudden, I know where he reaches out on Instagram, like, "Hey, bro, I really love what you're doing, man." I'm like, "Ah, yeah." So now we're friends. You know, he's gonna be here. We just happen to our tours cross. Yeah. So we're staying an extra day to go see him tomorrow night. That's exciting, man. Yeah. So. What is some advice that you have for up and coming Seattle artists, creators, influencers? Push. Do not give up. Just do it, man. Like it's possible. You know, you got guys as big as The Rock that literally his company is called Seven Bucks because in ninety two or whatever year it was, he had seven dollars to his name and he vowed that he would never have less than this. Wow. And he worked his ass off from the bottom all the way up, you know. And then you got, you know, guys like me that just came home to nothing and I'm making, I'm doing good. I'm living better than I did when I was, you know, caught up in all the stuff that I was caught up in. And regardless how much money I had back then, it didn't equate to the amount that I make now because now it's legal. Right. You know, so like it is 100% possible. There's tons of opportunity out there. Find a way to be unique, be yourself, be honest, be uh, be authentic and you're gonna make it because there's so many people it doesn't matter what what it is if you're honest and you tell your story it doesn't matter what your story is there's millions of people going through the exact same thing as you yes you know so you're going people are going to gravitate towards that you know people gravitate towards something real to hold on to so just be creative be yourself be authentic and be the hardest worker in every room yes just grind just work hard you know what are some final words you have for seattle anything you want to promote uh well we're at the tractor tavern tonight but this isn't going to play today ah, so tartar sauce. yeah no nah, it's all right <laughs> um we just dropped the album angels and outlaws it's on all platforms incredible album totally different than anything we've ever done uh Sunny Days Project with me and my daughter. We got Weathering and Willie Four coming out yes. in the fall. Uh, Brianna's solo album is coming out in the spring. Going to be amazing. So, yeah, man, just check it out. Check out the videos. Check out the music. Seattle, I love you. I'm fixing to leave here and go get some seafood. Yes. And y'all's amazing coast. What's the easiest way to reach you? Instagram. Instagram. I got all of them, but Instagram's the one that I like him really i really like interact i, I can't I, like i you know i got nine kids mm. and i got a lot of stuff going on yeah so i don't get to really get on social media but i check if you tag me in a picture i'm gonna like it yes you know if you send me a comment you might have to send two or three for me to see it but nine out of ten times you send me a dm i'm gonna see it and if you're saying some heartfelt shit and you know i'm gonna respond to it yes uh and I just got on TikTok. Hey! <laughs> the kids finally got me on TikTok. Uh, my TikTok popping. Yes. <laughs> it started. My daughter called me three days ago and goes, Dad, you're at a thousand 
oh, followers, right? Yeah. It's at like eight today, 8,000. Oh, wow. It's like just, it took Dude, off. That's dope. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> wow. It's fun. It was crazy because Gary V was talking about it. Uh, TikTok being the last organic reach yeah. right now. So, wow. Yeah, man. Just work hard. Love everybody. Thank you, Seattle. This is DJ Blake and Struggle Jennings. There we go. DJ Blake.